Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. My husband plays the tuba badly. No, wretchedly, execrably with unforgettable inexpertise. Boston Globe columnist Linda Weltner is speaking. After he played When Irish Eyes Are Smiling at Our Daughter's Wedding as a way of welcoming our son-in-law's Irish family, his father created an award for Jack that read in part for a performance that demonstrated an originality so stark that it stunned the audience, (laughs) rendering them incapable of meaningful response. This did not hurt my husband's feelings, Linda Weltner continues. He knows the impact his music has. This is a man for whom practice means playing all the notes, right or wrong, at least twice. His tuba, purchased at a yard sale for $100, looks as if it's been run over by a truck. His entire repertoire consists of five songs, which run the gamut from Happy Birthday to So Long, It's Been Good to Know You. Inexplicably, The phone rings and people ask him to do a gig at some special event, an occurrence that happens more frequently than I might hope. He doesn't get nervous or decide to, you know, brush up his technique a little bit. He just glows. He basks. He is unabashedly delighted and delightful. At his first note, audiences burst into hysterical laughter. And the more earnestly my husband attempts to render a recognizable melody, the harder they laugh, until they leap to their feet, choking and cheering. I understand why he's in demand. We all love to laugh. What has been harder for me to accept is how my husband can be perfectly capable of enjoying his tuba solos without ever aiming at competence. This is not the way I was brought up, intones Linda Weltner. Whether it was swimming, tennis, or ballroom dancing, my mother made sure I began with lessons. The pleasure in doing a thing I was taught is in doing it well. My whole life has been about mastery. I never enjoyed trial and error. To my way of thinking, mistakes took the pleasure out of things. And if I felt I'd end up doing something badly, I politely refused to begin. 
That seemed a perfectly sensible way to operate until three months ago I started dancing, she says. I'm no longer a novice. Newcomers are catching on while I'm still struggling. I've come to the reluctant conclusion that these complex patterns of movement may never feel like my second nature. And you know what? I don't care. I can't believe it myself. I feel like stopping people on the street and informing them, you don't have to be good at something to love it. Forget about having to meet your own high standards before you have a wonderful time. You might just want to take up dance or the tuba. The very first principle of Unitarian Universalism is our covenant to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every being. One of you told me that recently you realized this applies to you, too. Stunning, isn't it? That in spite of everything and because of everything, each and every one of us is inherently worthy and has inherent dignity. We have it. It's a gift freely given. Are we living that covenant, that promise to live out our signature expression of our worth and dignity? To live it? Do we believe it? Noted. Not everyone is doing their best with expressing their inherent worth and dignity. My mother would intone, you are not everyone. In other words, we could celebrate the countercultural nature that proudly defines Arlington Street by choosing to do our imperfect best to embrace and express our inherent worth and dignity, our imperfect best. My grandfather taught English at East Boston High School. One of his best friends was a former classmate named Benny Mays. I grew up with this quote from Benny that I'm about to share for you, and for years that's how I've in introduced it, but um, I finally figured out, and not that long ago, that Benjamin E. Mays also happened to be president of Morehouse College and a mentor to Dr. King. Um, so Benny, also known as Reverend Dr. Mays, said, it must be borne in mind that tragedy in life doesn't lie the tragedy does not lie in not reaching your goal. The tragedy lies in having no goal to reach. It isn't a calamity to die with dreams unfulfilled. It is a calamity not to dream. It is not a disaster to be unable to capture your ideal, but it is a disaster to have no ideal to capture. It is not a disgrace to reach for the stars. It is a disgrace to have no stars for which to reach. Not failure, but low aim is a sin. Stirring perfection into this mix, perfect goals, perfect dreams, perfect ideals, 
is a recipe for failure before we even begin. In a piece called The Elegance of Imperfection, web designer David Sherwin wrote, everything I know about the elegance of imperfection I learned from the white porcelain plate I bought in Kyoto. What's so special about this plate, he asks. Before it was fired, it was perfectly round, but the potter intentionally roughed up the edges. It's elegant, enhanced by anything that touches its surface, a bright green prayer, roughly chopped chocolate, a pile of almonds. Today, this plate sits on the desk at my home office. It symbolizes a crucial lesson about craft. Utility is not contingent on perfection of form. Crafting elegant experiences involves abandoning the desire for perfection. My late friend and colleague, Peter Fleck, wrote a book called The Blessings of Imperfection. Some of you will remember the story of Peter's grandson, Benjamin Clardy, who at the age of four had an imaginary farm. One morning, Benjamin said to his mother, my friend Andrea, Mom, do you know what happened last night? Last night, the vet came and you know what he did? He cut a little piece off the hoof of the cow, and now she has a calf. Andrea, a good Unitarian Universalist parent, seized the moment and launched in. Actually, Benjamin, that's not the way it happens. And she proceeded with the facts of bovine procreation in the long rendition. You see, Andrea finally concluded, that's how it really happens. Benjamin considered his mother with a long stare. Not on my farm. <laughs> you know, that's exactly how I feel. Sometimes, okay, a lot of times, it really bothers me that things are just so messy, so imperfect. But then I remember to remember that almost all of life happens somewhere between the tuba and the imaginary farm. Somehow we have to redefine perfect or abandon perfect altogether and jump headfirst into the fray, jump and survive and thrive somewhere between the tuba and the imaginary farm. The alternative is that our inner, our inner critic is doing a play-by-play -play on the incompetence and messiness of it all with a running commentary worthy of AM talk radio, or it's screaming its head off at us over our failings, whether real or perceived, and we stall out, imperiously or dejectedly waiting for things to be just right while life passes us by. This truth was elegantly stated by Alan Saunders in Reader's Digest. Yes, I am quoting Reader's Digest, as did John Lennon when he immortalized Alan Saunders' words, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans.
Maybe life is what happens to you while you're reading Reader's Digest, but that's another sermon. <laughs> to the point, are we prepared to abandon our plans to live, abandon our plans in favor of living? Brene Brown wrote a book called The Gifts of Imperfection. In her work on shame and authenticity, she collected and analyzed thousands of stories from people 18 to 87 years old. Distinctive patterns of behavior that lead to a happy, fulfilling life emerged from her research. Those who were living amazing and inspiring lives reported embracing imperfection and vulnerability and being grateful and authentic. Brene Brown named this embrace of life wholehearted living. Wholehearted living, she writes, is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. Wholehearted living means cultivating the courage compassion and connection to wake up in the morning and think no matter what gets done and how much is left undone I am enough wholehearted living means going to bed at night and thinking yes I am imperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid but that doesn't change the truth that I am worthy we are worthy of love and belonging. This is soul work, says Brene Brown. It begins with authenticity, which she defines as a collection of choices that we have to make each day. It's about the choice to show up and be real, the choice to be honest, the choice to let our true selves be seen. She writes, authenticity means accepting imperfection. When we spend a lifetime trying to distance ourselves from the parts of our lives that don't fit in with whom we think we're supposed to be, we stand outside of our story and hustle for our worthiness by constantly performing, perfecting, pleasing, and providing. The greatest challenge for most of us is believing that we are worthy now right this minute, worthiness does not have prerequisites. Beloved spiritual companions, the first principle of Unitarian Universalism invites us into the covenant, the promise, to affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every being, even those who play the tuba badly, especially those who play badly and joyfully because they're holding up one end while the imaginary farm is holding up the other. And we are called to live, really live in between. May we abandon perfection give ourselves to wholehearted living and cultivate courage, 
compassion, and connection. May we abandon perfect. Dream, wake up, and show up for life. Amen.